Episode 28 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Change is in the air. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 28 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, it's, it's, I'm kind of thinking that the show is turning more into a, a six-weekly show. It's um, It's been a, a, a very interesting time in my life. I have, I have a very good problem, and I have a very good problem in my life, and I was talking about it with a guy called Warwick the other day, actually, and I, we went out for coffee with Warwick, this is a guy from Hong Kong, no, actually, sorry, he's based in China. And he was over in New Zealand, and he, uh, he said, let's catch up for coffee. So we did. And uh, we were just talking about each other's lives and all the rest of it. And I started reflecting on my life and kind of started talking about uh, the dilemma of my life. And, uh, and, and, and the dilemma of my life is that I'm very fortunate that a lot of things seem to be going quite well for me right now. And the real dilemma is when you have quite a few things going really well, how do you determine where to put your energy uh, so, for, so for example, with myself, uh, I've got my running business, which is seems to just be going through the roof. Uh, I've got my my podcasting and my content creation side of my life, which, uh, to be honest, it seems to have taken a bit of a back seat. I've got the Les Mills work that I do, which is always on a very kind of fun par. Um, I've got some little business opportunities that I have as well that are outside of the fitness world that are also pretty exciting as well. And so, I have one of those times in life right now where. Um, you, you you have to really determine what's the best use of my time right now, and uh, and, and I suppose one other thing was is my other podcast, my triathlon podcast, and all these things I feel have the, the seeds have been sown, and, and all of a sudden they're starting to all come out at the same time, and it's it's a bit of a dilemma really because you've got to go. Hopefully, I'm choosing the right thing to put my time into, and unfortunately for you guys, at this moment in time, it seems as though my content creation has taken a little bit of a back seat. Now, don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop what I'm doing and uh, I'm still going to be doing this podcast for a very long time, but just I notice that I, I tend to be, I miss a couple of weeks at the other side. I've always tried to be about a month and I've noticed in the last couple of shows it's been more close to six weeks, to, you know, a little bit longer. So sorry about that. I will try to get back into that monthly habit. Uh, I could see things quieting down in a couple of weeks, so hopefully that really happens. Just want to say a big thank you to everybody for the feedback on last month's show. Uh, it's probably the most feedback I've got on any show, and uh, I get a lot of feedback from you guys, which is great. Um, you guys obviously really got a lot of value from Lance's interview, and um, yeah, it's one of those ones that, that those interviews where you know you got to go back to and listen to it a few times to really take out the nuggets of gold that are in there. And uh, like I did recommend in last month's show, I highly recommend that you go and get a hold of Lance's books. And if you go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, for the show notes in regards to that show, I actually have the Amazon link. So you just click on the picture of the book and it goes through to Amazon. You can buy it on there. Now, admittedly, I get a little bit of a cut. I think if you sell a book on Amazon, you get about one cent. So I'm not going to be retiring from it, but hey, why not? Um, Other than that, what have I been up to this month? As I say, I've been kind of working really hard. I've been, um, my poor cat got in a cat fight and had to have an operation, which was kind of serious at our place, uh, but you probably don't care so much about that one. When I think about this month's show, uh, I put a lot of thought into this month's show and, and how am I going to put it together, and it's in a subject that I think 
it, it's kind of meant to get at you. It's kind of meant to hit you hard in a way that is going to make you reflect in ways that may make you think about how you need change in your life. And it's a topic that I find really interesting. And uh, you know what? Let's not let's not get too far ahead of myself. Let's get into the show before we do that. Remember, if you have any email questions, you can email me at uh, bevanjames at gmail.com or go to my website, bevanjamesowls.com. But let's get into the show, eh? Because... Well, hopefully it is a goodie. Here we go. On February the 22nd in 2011, I was sitting in my office. I used to have this house where my office was kind of really in a hallway. And uh, I was sitting in my office just doing some work in this in this hallway area, sitting at my computer and just doing some work and... All of a sudden, an earthquake hit my my city. Now, earthquakes had been happening for about six months leading into this earthquake, and we had a big one, and there'd been kind of these ongoing little earthquakes, and they were kind of bad, but they weren't, you know, you you, you, you always felt pretty safe from these earthquakes. And and the other thing about these earthquakes was the, you, you generally felt them coming along, you know, for the people who listen to the show in, in cities that experience a lot of the earthquakes, or or at least in Christchurch, you you know, you get a sense of when an earthquake's coming on after a while, you get a feel for it's coming, and it's almost like a slow build, and, and it builds, and you're always trying to, to measure within your own body, is this going to be a bad one? Well, February 22nd was completely different. There was no sense of there's an earthquake coming and it's building, should I look after myself? It was like a gun had gone off and all of a sudden your whole world was shaking like crazy. I remember I jumped under my door, you know, they say jump under doors, which turns out apparently isn't the best advice, but jump under a door. And, and, I, and I jumped under my door and if you can imagine you're looking towards, you know, the walls of the door and I had my hands on both sides of the wall and I'm gripping for dear life because my house was just shaking so much at the same time everything is just flying around the place you know my computer's falling on the ground all my furniture's falling over you hear the crashing of glasses from the kitchen and everything's just shaken up this goes on for about maybe 40 seconds I, I don't know the exact time but for around about 40 seconds and then it stopped. And it stopped in a way that was so sudden, but I found myself that, that I, you know, I was still caught in that moment. And so, so it stops and, and, you know, your heart rate's pumping and you're, and you're kind of, you're just not sure really what's happened. The next few hours of your life are quite a, quite a scary time. The first thing is, is you don't know how bad the earthquake is. And so you've lost communication with everyone in your world. And so your first thought goes to everybody you love in your life and uh, where are they right now and are they safe? And I have to say, in the big scheme of things, I was one of the very fortunate people in Christchurch who found out that my daughter, my parents, my sister, my Joe, my partner, you know, the key people in my life, I was able to get text communication with them pretty early on in the piece. So that, that really made things a lot easier for me because I was, I was actually really lucky because then my phone pretty much died. So within 
40 minutes of the earthquake happening, I knew that everyone was safe and, you know, hadn't had any severe damage. But at the same time, you didn't really know what was happening within the city. And I remember I had an old, you know, an old radio basically that I pulled out and uh, the first thing I heard was there had been a number of deaths in the city. So you knew this was pretty serious. Eventually you you move outside your own house, you have a look outside your house, you walk out in the streets and and suddenly all the neighbours on the street are coming out. And uh, and it's really interesting actually because we live in a time... Well, at least in Christchurch, or my experience of Christchurch, you don't know your neighbours so well nowadays. Like I remember back as a child, you would, you know, you spend half your day with the kids in the neighbourhood, and and uh, as you go into an adult, suddenly you don't you know your neighbours so well. You might know them to wave to, but you don't know them fundamentally. But at that moment, we were all looking out for each other, so we kind of went around and you know told our stories and and shared this experience. And over the next few days or over the next few hours you really realised how bad this earthquake had been and the kind of damage had it done to my region. Um, you know, many people died, the infrastructure of our city was pretty much destroyed, regions of the town, you know, suburbs of the town had totally disappeared and uh, over the, you know, over the, as time progressed you realise more and more how severe this was. Now, as I tell my story today, you need to realise, I got off extremely easy. On the big scheme of things in Christchurch, oh, sure, I had some damage to my house, and there's a period of time where I had to go live with Joe's parents, like for a week, um, because we had no power and no and no toilets and water running to our house and stuff. So there was definitely a hassle in regards to you know, my life at that moment. But people in Christchurch, you know, a lot of people lost loved ones, a lot of people lost businesses, a lot of people lost homes. Um, this, this, you know, this, this was what you know, twenty eight months ago, and uh, or twenty five months ago, and to this day, there's still people living in in parts of our city which really look like they are a zombie land where there's overgrown. You know, you think of your worst zombie movie where people have left the township. And there's suburbs in a Christchurch which look just like that still. And these suburbs, people still live there. So some people have done it really, really tough. So as much as I share my experience about this and and uh, what I'm hoping for you to gain from today's show, I, I don't need sympathy, you know, like I really got off lightly. But something really interesting happened over the next few months. With the earthquake happening, the gym that I work at, you know, which at to this moment in my life was really my main provider of income. I, I worked at a I work at a gym called Les Mills, and uh, I'm fortunate in my life that I able to, I'm able to make income from a few different streams. But really, the main way I fed my family was going to that gym and teaching classes, basically. And suddenly, overnight, that key part of my life was removed from me. I really didn't know what was going to happen. There was no communication coming through. There was, you know, there was people who had more important things to worry about than how I was going to make my income. Um, you know, it's that scenario, you know, where everyone says, you know, if something big in your life were to happen and you had to change everything, what would you do? And I think for the people of Christchurch, and I, and I imagine there's a lot of people out there listening to this show today 
who may have had similar experiences in life, where suddenly change is forced upon you. Suddenly, due to an event outside of myself, I had to suddenly face a massive amount of change in my life. And it was pretty scary at first. Imagine it. Imagine waking up tomorrow and realising that you've lost your main source of income and you have to do something now to change a massive aspect of your life or you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Now leading up to this time leading into the February quake, the 22nd of February, the earthquake, for a few years leading up to that moment, deep down within myself, I knew that I needed to start to progress forward for my career in group fitness. I think I've talked about this on the show before. Group fitness is a young man's game or young person's game. Obviously, lots of girls do it too. But it's a young person's game. You know, I've been doing it, I'm now 35. I've been doing it since I was pretty much 21. So I've been doing it for a very long time. And uh, I'm probably in the peak of my career right now. But the peak kind of, t- you know, comes to an end at around 40. And I know in the past, I, th- I think I've talked about this on the show, that around 30, I realized that I needed to prepare in many ways, you know, financially, um, mentally, um, physically, you know, all these emotionally to deal with the change that is going to hit me once I get over that kind of 40-year-old age in my industry. Because in my industry, unlike a lot of industries, once you hit your 40s, you are starting a downward spiral. Now, you might be able to hold on, and there are some people out there who are in their mid-40s who are still doing an amazing job, but for the type of class I teach, you know, really my mid-40s would definitely be the end. And around 30, I identified that actually I need to start making changes to my life. So I prepare for that time so I don't get to 40 or, or the early 40s and kind of go, you know, be trapped in this life that I know nothing else around. So I realized I needed to develop myself. And and so from that kind of 30-year-old age onwards, I started to slowly put some steps in place that were, were preparing me for what was going to happen when, you know, 40 to 40 kind of five age group came along. When the earthquake happened, I was faced with the possibility of that moment happening right now, that my change may need to happen right now. And looking back, while if I knew what I knew now, I probably could have actually stayed on the path that I was up to the day before the earthquake, a lot of change did end up happening. Huge amount of change happened in my life within a very short period of time. Um, I, I won't go into all the details, but a lot of change, which actually made my life so much better. That the earthquake in itself suddenly snapped me into change that fast-forwarded me as a person in ways I would have never seen possible, you know, the day before that earthquake. That while the horrible moment and the horrible weeks that came along it and the horrible experience around the uncertainty was, you know, not the nicest thing in my life, the value that that, that, that experience forced upon change in my life has been one of the most empowering experiences I have ever experienced. Now what happens if the earthquake didn't happen? Would have I still had a good life? Yeah, yeah, I would have. I had a good life. It wasn't a bad life. Would I have still achieved some pretty cool things? Yeah. But would I have been the person who I am today, who I feel is a much stronger, more rounded um 
better version of myself. I suppose this is all leading me towards what today's show is really about, is deep within yourself, do you know it's time to change some areas of your life, but you're afraid to do it, or something is holding you back from doing it? See, in my situation, I had that whole traditional good as the enemy, a great, I had a good life, and I, I was slowly wor- working towards a moment where I felt change may happen. And, and fortunately, I'll say an earthquake happened, and an earthquake made me change my life in much faster ways, which is now, you know, take me to a much better place as a person, and would have I been in this place as I said before? Well, no, I wouldn't have. But I think if someone had stopped me, you know, the day before the earthquake happened and said, deep down, do you think there's some areas of your life you should start to change away from? I think I would have said yes, if I were to be 100% honest. Sure, I could justify my life because it was a good life, but was it a great life? And that's the question... I think it's a good question to explore in today's show. Deep down, do you know within yourself you need some change in your life? And what's holding you back from doing that? When I thought about this topic, I really spent a bit of time brainstorming, really. I sat down and I wrote down one thing you it's so good to do. One of my favorite podcasters is a guy called Dan Carlin. And uh, Dan Carlin once said, you know, People sometimes forget the value of just sitting down and thinking. And uh, I'm going on a, on a tangent here, but I know there was one of the benefits of doing endurance sport is you allow yourself so much time just to think. You know, when you go for a six-hour bike ride, there's a lot of just thinking time in there. And I, and I always found that really rewarding. And and uh, Dan, when he said that, he reminded me that I don't do enough of that nowadays. And, and so I've kind of tried to incorporate that back in my life, that, you know, that half an hour every so often we just, put some music on and, and think about an idea and brainstorm it and, and dig deep. And when I thought about today's show, that's what I did. I went, I went and got my laptop out and I put some cool kind of non-verbal music so I was just not going to be thinking about the words. And I came up with some questions around change. And, and actually, I'm going to pull them up right now. I just had a quick pause there and, I, and I'm back. And it's interesting, I was just reading through the questions and uh, I'm just going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to chuck some questions at you and... Uh, See what you go with, see what you come up with. So one question that I love to use when I exercise and when I'm teaching people to exercise and especially in some of those deeper, like a spin class where you can really get people's head is, who are you? Who are you? And is that person you are what you really want to be in the world? As, as you think about that question, you know, who am I? Is that really what you want to be in the world? And if you know deep down within yourself that there are some areas you want to change, some questions I, th- I thought about as I, as I contemplated this one was, what's keeping you there? What's really keeping you in a place where you know you need to change? The classic example is debt. You know, um... It's interesting, when you talk to someone who's passionate about their job and, and you know they love their job, there's a freedom that comes with that person and, you know, they wake up in the morning, they want to go to the job, but you suddenly realise pretty quickly in life that the majority of people out there, the job is just a job. You know, there might be parts of the job they like and there might be parts they wouldn't, don't like and they might not like their boss, but they might have a workmate that makes it all, you know, bearable. And uh, 
but something keeps them in that job. And, and then you get to the other extreme where people who actually hate their job, you know, they don't like the people, they don't like the job, they're not challenged, they, they feel they're used, they don't feel valued, you know, it's all the bad stuff. And what's keeping those people there? And a classic example of that is debt. You know, a lot of people, once they start working, they go and acquire a huge amount of debt and uh, they, they, re- they get to a moment where they realise they want change and because they've got so much debt, they're almost trapped in this world. I, I, yeah, they're almost trapped in this world and they can't get out of. But if you think about who you are and who you want to be and you feel you're not there and you look at the different areas of your life, what's keeping you there? Like what's really keeping you there? Because I think a lot of people with the debt one probably wouldn't even come down to the fact it's debt. Actually, I had a client for a while who I worked with and uh, and, and she had, you know, work was always a real stress and all the rest of it. And ultimately it did come down to that. She had some debt and that debt was holding her back in her life and it kept her in jobs that were unhealthy for her. But because she had so much debt, you know, she couldn't move on. And it wasn't until she realized that she had debt that she could start to create the change. So so what's keeping you in that place? Another question I came up with which I thought was really interesting, and this is for people, you know, as if you listen to the today's podcast and you think to yourself, no, I, I, this definitely hits home with me. I feel I need change in my life. What's your story in the area you need change? What's the story that you talk about when you talk about that area of your life? When you talk about exercise, do you talk about, oh, how I've never liked exercise? You know, it's, you know, a lot of our life are repeat stories that we go around and we tell our stories to people and, you know, in these situations and, you know, oh, you know, when I was younger, this thing happened to me or in certain situations you repeat your stories. What's the story that you have about the area that you know you need to change in? Are you always the victim in the story? How do you represent yourself in that story? Do you look for people who are in a similar place with their story and you're just reinforcing each other that the situation is bad, but you're not looking to where to look to where your change is. What's your story? What clues do your, does your story tell you? Have a think about this one. When you're out there, about there, and, you, and next time you know, you know the area that you may need to change in. Notice the word you use. Notice how you represent yourself. You could probably even think within yourself right now and think of the story that you tell. You know, use those clues to actually figure out, you know, that moment. You know, what 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 that situation is all about. Once you can start to figure out if you really need to create change in your life, there's some some, some more questions. So, like, I'm just chucking lots of questions at you today, guys. So, so hopefully, um, hopefully this works. And uh, yeah, but I think the first thing is 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 it time to quit? Is it time to move forward? Is it time to progress? And um, if you can do some of that reflective thinking before where you go, okay, what's keeping me there? What would be wrong with you quitting in this area? Or what would you need to do to move forward in this area? You could, you could do that in two ways. You could say, well, what would be wrong with me quitting in this area? And what would be good about me quitting in this area? Or maybe not even quitting. What would be wrong if I were to remove 50% of that from my life? And what would I want to add into my life? And with that time, that's going to make me feel more fulfilled. Another question I have, and this kind of goes back to who are you? Um, who chose your path? Like who chose the path that you're on? 
It's funny, a while ago I did a talk for some scouts group, you know, I did their annual kind of thing and I did a talk for them. And I was kind of, I was speaking to the, like, the oldest kids, I'm not sure what they call them um, in the scouts thing, but these kids were like 17, 18. And it, one of the senses that you got from a few of the kids were, they felt they were just a trophy for their parents. That they were going down this path in life that ultimately wasn't really what their values were about, what their passion was about, what um, what they really cared about in the world. But their parents had put so much pressure on these kids to choose this path because the kids felt like the parents wanted to put them up as a trophy to say, hey, I've done a good job as a parent because my kid is a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever the parents think is important. And these kids had this real internal battle because they felt obligated to follow this this path that someone else had pushed them towards when deep down within themselves they had this other path which they really felt they should go towards. Now, I don't know which direction those guys go went in, but for a lot of you listening to this right now, if you think about the area that you know you need to change in, did someone else push you on that path? Or did you chase somebody else's dreams? It's a real a real common thing, you know, you have your friend around you who suddenly just seems to be really excelling, and that seems really attractive. And, and I think ultimately what happens in that situation is that people just want to feel growth, and they see someone else growing, so they think, well, I need to do what they are doing. So they might chase really hard to get that, that growth happening, but it actually wasn't right for them. And then they wake up, you know, or you know, it's later on down the piece realizing it wasn't who they were. What are you going to have to give up if you do quit? This is one thing I always really find interesting with uh, people who are really successful in one area, but it's time to move on. Uh, you know, some people get to a moment in life and they stop progressing, and, and to get to that moment, they worked really hard, but there's actually not much more growth for them. And deep down, they probably know that it's time to move on. I'll give an example. When I when I started doing Ironman, I used to go swimming, and I was a pretty average swimmer. And I remember one day I went to swimming. There's a guy in Christchurch called Rolly. He's the, he's kind of like the local triathlon swim coach. And uh, he's in a wheelchair, so that's hence Rolly. He rolls around all the time. And he's, he's a bit of a hard-ass, you know, kind of, come on, boys, you know. And he, he you know, tells you what he thinks. And he uh, gives you really hard sessions. And he's a bit old school, but it, it kind of works. And um, a guy had turned up to a session, and he turned up 10 minutes late. And, uh, and he was kind of mucking around. And but this guy was a great swimmer. This guy was one of the best guys in the squad. And the thing was, swimming was the only thing he knew when it came to sport. So he was turning up just because that was the only thing he knew. And his social connections were there as well. But actually, it was time for him to quit. It was time for him to create change and exercise in his life. But you know, what did he have to give up? He had to give up social. He had to give up this esteem of being good in this thing, even though he wasn't really working that hard at it anymore. He had to give up the identity of being a strong swimmer. You know, he had to give up so much to do that. He could have stayed there and been the guy who turned up 10 minutes late and Rolly went mad at him that morning and said, mate, go home and think about this. Do you really want to do it or not? That's what the coach Rolly said. And and I think in his situation, I wonder if he were to have quit. Now, I don't know actually what happened to him, to be honest, but um, if he were to have quit but actually then moved on and, and changed into a new direction, would have you blossomed more in life? 
the next question kind of taps onto that one as well. Um, are you looking for past successes just to find your mojo, even though they're, they aren't your passions anymore? You know, are you looking for your past successes just to find your mojo? So are you looking back to that thing, you know, you've you've lost your exercise buzz, you know, you're in your mid-40s and you kind of go, well, when I was younger, I loved running. And so you go back to running, but you do it half-heartedly and, and really your heart's not in it. But that's the only era you've found success in that era in your life in the past. You know, that that's a sign that, you know, you are looking for change. That's one of some more questions I got here. How would I know the direction you want to go in? That's a really hard one as well, you know, like it's it's funny, isn't it? Once you discover that I need to change, how do you know that you want to go in, the, you know, how do you know the direction, that's the right direction for you? Go back to some of my early podcasts around values and goal setting and stuff, and maybe you'll get some ideas from me around that stuff, but, you know, like if you do take the kind of guts to go, okay, well in this area of my life I need to create change and, and you you know, you implement some stuff that's going to make that change happen, there could be concern that, what if I don't get it right this time? So that's a good question to ask. What would the people in my life, or what would the people, what, what, what do you think the people in your world would think if you were to shift, if you were to change? Who would be impressed? Who would be disappointed? Who would be impressed and who would be disappointed which of these people really matter and which of these people don't matter? You know, because when you create change, I, I've talked about in the past, you know, when I gave up drinking and alcohol, I had 12 group, a group of 12 male friends, you know, my mates, who we lived with every weekend, Friday through to Sunday, would be on the drinking, getting stoned, having so much fun together. Overnight, I lost all those friends. Were they disappointed me? And to be honest, I don't think they were. I think in some ways... They admired that I, I moved on. But um, but then also I confronted them because I created the change. If you go back to that story thing, you know, like what's your story and do you have that person who you're stuck in that story together that you, you know, the only reason you have a relationship is because you complain together all the time and suddenly you shift. And uh, actually, okay, I'll share another experience. I um, When I did do a lot of drugs, I grew my marijuana. And uh, one time when I gave up drugs, I'd been growing a crop and uh, it came in about three months after I gave up my drugs. And the guy I used to do a lot of drugs with, he said to me, come on, Bev, come around one more time and, you know, your crop's coming, you've got to come and get stoned with me. And I, th- and I kind of thought, well, why not? I'll go do it. And I went around and because I was uh, changed as a person and my life was about ambition and growth and progress instead of being around, um, you know, not so positive things... I, I had nothing to talk to this guy about. And if anything, I felt really bad because I felt I was insulting him the whole time because I was just talking about how, how kind of positive my life was, that my story had shifted. And unfortunately, that meant that I was no longer a part of the world that I had with him, that my relationship with him was really around a story of a place that I wasn't happy with in my life. So as you do look towards change, there will be people that go. And there'll be some people who don't go and will have to deal with your change. Like sometimes if it's a family member and you change, that can be a really hard thing. You see it sometimes in weight loss. You'll see one partner who loses a lot of weight. Both, you know, let's say both partners are overweight. And then one partner loses a lot of weight. And then the other partner just has this feels bad about themselves or feels guilty or feels that the person who's lost weight is looking on them negatively. Like there's a lot of emotional stuff that's happening there. 
And that's a really hard thing to healthily navigate yourself in a relationship. But some people aren't going to go. Some people are important in your life and you need to think about how your change is going to affect them and then how do you nurture them towards you being successful in that change. When your movement, when does your movement throughout this path... Oh, okay, no, sorry, okay, I'm just reading this question as I go. The path that you're on right now, when did your movement down that path stop giving you what you needed? So... Let's say you you know when you you know at some stage in your life you started a new skill when it gave you everything you wanted. It's kind of like that mojo question again, but at what moment did it stop giving you what it needed and it just became a habit that you did? So I suppose where do I go next? I kind of go well. Where do you develop yourself now if you do want to go change? And I think a few questions that you need to to really think about is where are your short term wins as you move towards change. You know, where are your short-term wins? If you are thinking about, okay, I really do need to get out of this job, or I really do really need to move away from people who don't exercise and eat unhealthily, or I do really need to um, create a shift in some of my habits, you know, like I need to stop looking at the internet so much, or whatever, where, where is my short-term wins? Where am I trying to go, and how do I healthily find a path that is correct for me? And then when do I start to get my short-term wins? It's interesting, you know, like it's it's one thing to know I need to change, but it's another thing to experience change. Like it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I know I need to change my diet, but it's another thing to have an experience of eating healthy for a week and to realize that you've lost half a kg and it wasn't that hard. That we, we really need to experience our wins as we move towards change. So where are going to be your short-term wins? And think about that as, as within yourself, external of yourself, the factors, um, you know, the people around you. I suppose that kind of goes into another port, you know, area, and, and this kind of taps into my concept of uh, the environments you're in. You know, where is the community and culture that has the change that you want to move towards? This is the one with my piano playing right now. I feel I'm progressing, but I feel I'm not progressing as much as I want. And deep down, I know it's because I need to surround myself with people who are better than me and challenge me. And uh, that's what I'm really looking to do right now is that my my change in my piano comes from breaking my day-to-day habit and moving towards a culture and a community of people who are going to, who have what I, what I desire, who have the change that I desire. How would you act if you had the change that you desire? What would be the story you tell when you are in that different place? You know, if your story right now is a bad story, what would be the story that you change? What would be the solution to your problem? Those are some of the questions I kind of came up with. And to be honest, I haven't really tried to structure them. I, you know, if I were to do a workbook around this, which I, I won't promise you guys because I don't tend to do them nowadays, but if I were to do a workbook around this, this show here, I probably would have quite a structured you know, step one, two, three, and, and so on, that would really take you through the process of thinking about this stuff. But I think what most people do is they have the life of habit. And, and there's a good reason for habit. Habit makes life, you know, we, we couldn't live without habit. It's such an important part of life. But we don't stop often enough and think, do I need to create change? And we know, a lot of us know, that most people are really resistant to change. That when you consider change in people's lives, you know, you, suddenly a new boss comes along and you feel worried about change. 
suddenly there's a change in your routine, something, you know, it feels uncomfortable, that we're adverse to change in our life. But ultimately, we often need change, and, and we need, you know, that when change happens, you end up in a much better place. And it's not that you should be changing your your life every moment of the day, and, and often there are times when change is bad and it's not good, but for most people, when they experience change in their life, when they reflect back on that change, they often say it's been one of the best things they ever did. I know for me that an earthquake that happened on February 22nd created a change in my life that I maybe knew deep down I should do, and maybe even knew that the path was where the path was, but we weren't taking those steps as fast as I could have. That change took me to a place in my life which where I feel I'm living a much better life now because of it. And maybe I need to ask myself these questions again now, not because I need dramatic change, but just for those small things that allow you to progress forward. When you think about your life and you think about the areas you want to progress in, or you think about the areas you're holding back in, or if you listen to today's show and, and deep down within yourself you know that you need to change, Maybe it's time to actually sit down and, and you know explore some of those questions I've asked. To explore what's your story? What's holding me back? Who's holding me back? How would people be affected? How would I create a path in a new direction? How would I know it's the right path for me? Where are my small wins? All those types of questions. And then actually take the steps towards creating that change. Do you think you'd be living a better life? Do you think you'd be doing, you know, being that better version of yourself? Don't be afraid. Confront the questions. Ask yourself, who knows what will happen? Right, I think that's uh, this month's show pretty much wrapped up. Uh, let me know what you think. I'll be interested to see. I tried to do something slightly different there and... Maybe just more put it back on you guys. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what you guys think about that show. And uh, yeah, feel free to email me at bevanjames at gmail.com just to let me know what you think. And that'd be really cool. I've got a couple questions here and I'm just trying to find who the first one is from. It's uh, maybe Lavi. Um, and I wrote a piece recently which I got a huge amount of feedback on. If you go to my website, bevanjamesiles.com, I wrote a piece on kids' exercise and uh, seemed to really get a lot of discussion happening. And he just basically, well, Luffy, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl. So they uh, just said, I've got one question for you. Do How do you encourage, oh, wait a second. Do you know how to encourage children to stay in sports and not quit? I have a 12-year-old that is a swimmer. She has got a new coach that is very into competition, and it's not like she isn't handling it, but she is not liking as much as she did when she had the old coach. Now she is only going once or twice a week instead of four times before and is always talking about quitting. Do you have any ideas on how to handle this? I don't want her to quit swimming, so I try to encourage her to go there, but she just gets annoyed. I've also tried to compliment her when she goes, and if she doesn't want to go, I just try not to say anything. Help if you can give me any advice. I think, I think, okay, so what do we think about here? I suppose what we want to start to think about here is what's the real issue? The real issue is she's obviously, something's changed about the environment that she doesn't work now. I don't know if it's the coach or the way he sets up his environment or or she's feeling you know, she's not successful in this environment. But maybe the better discussion to have with her is, is 
what's changed that you're not enjoying? And are there other ways that I can help you find that in different, you know, in either movement or sport or with swimming? So are there other swimming pools where there are other coaches that you could maybe find for them? You know, but really I think the conversation you want to have with your daughter is, you know, why was it that when you're with your other coach you love swimming so much and now you have a new coach you don't? And then just try to listen and try to, to hear what she's telling you and, and use reflective listening skills where, you know, if she tells you something, try not to come back with answers of why you think it should work. It's about you trying to understand her. Once you can have that understanding of her, you know, you might figure out that it's actually, she just doesn't enjoy swimming that much anymore. Or you might find out that um, she just doesn't really click with this coach or one of her friends has gone to another club or like, you may not even know what that thing is. But if you're going to spend some time figuring that out, then what you can then do is be open with her to trying to help her figure out a path towards keeping either swimming or exercise in her life. Whereas currently it sounds like what you're trying to do is be encouraging, but you obviously just deals to an emotional situation you're not really comfortable with and you're not sure how to handle it. So if, if you can kind of figure out what the real issue is and then try to help her figure out what's a better path forward. So if, you, if it is about staying in swimming, you know, what's the way that she can stay in swimming that works for her? You know, okay, maybe she tries a new squad. Maybe she tries um, a different swimming team. Maybe... Um, I'm not sure, can can she see a band of a coach? I'm not sure, but those are the things you'll explore with her. Or maybe swimming is no longer her buzz. And then when can you, well, how can you support her towards finding new sport? I know it's tough, it, it's tough with kids because you want what's best for your kids. And um, yeah, but, uh, but also kids leaving one sport's not always a bad thing. It's a big, you know, as long as you want to encourage them moving towards another one. Hope that helps. And I'm just going to finish up with a lovely email from Michael Scragg. And he's basically just saying he was listening to I Am Talk. And I uh, put one of the Fitness Behaviour shows, I think it was episode 17 of Fitness Behaviour on I Am Talk one time. And he just wrote a lovely email saying, After hearing your snippet on I Am Talk, I went and downloaded all the Fitness Behaviour podcasts and have recently just finished listening to them. I must say I was blown away. Each and every session hit home to me and gave me so much food for thought. I plan on now purchasing all the workbooks, which is all good, although I probably haven't finished some of them, uh, that are associated with Fitness Behaviour Podcast and listen to them all again. I want to do this as I'm wanting to cement the ideas and behaviours that you have spoken about. I am be- um, As I am beginning to find that I'm forgetting some of those great lessons and uh, that I learned from listening from Fitness Behaviour. So... I would personally like to say thank you for all the work you are doing. This has really touched at a chord and I'm looking forward to many more ideas that I imagine are rolling inside your head. Um, I kind of made his email a little bit shorter, but he also knows a friend of mine called Sonia as well, which is a small little world. Um, thanks for your email, Michael. It's just great to see that. I think he's saying he's a school teacher as well. He's a PE teacher in Melbourne who has uh, done six Ironmen. So uh, he's obviously a pretty sharp character himself. So... Uh, thanks for the email. I love getting emails like that, and I just really appreciate you guys taking the time to write that. What's happening now? So this is pretty much the end of this month's show. Once again, if you have any emails, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com or go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and uh, that's all good. Um, anything else to let you know what's happening this month? Not much, really. I'm going to be doing a bit of running, doing a bit of cycling, doing a bit of teaching, 
and uh, I'm still writing my book. It's kind of one of those things that's a little bit slower right now, but it's, it's I'm still trying to get three hours in a week, which doesn't mean it's going to be the fastest book of all time, but I'm, if I'm progressing, I feel I'm doing okay. But other than that, you guys have a wonderful month. I'll be back next month, and uh, get out there, enjoy the month, and uh, I'll see you soon. Keep spreading the word. See you later, guys.